So this show is carbon positive. We've partnered with Carbon Positive to allow us to get to that point. Listen to the show to find out how you also can become carbon positive. I have one GCSE. I'm dyslexic, I'm dyspraxic, and I have mild ADHD, which makes things rather exciting when trying to run a business. However, I have built multi-million pound businesses with no investment, and now I invest in others. And guess what? I love every minute. I'm Oliver Bruce. This is my podcast, Success is in the Mind, and welcome to The Journey, a podcast where we speak to founders and entrepreneurs from the businesses that you've always wanted to know more about. We delve into the formative years of their business lives and ask those with the inside track on startup and scale up life, the questions I wish I knew the answers to when I started out. As always, the more you share and subscribe to this podcast, the more people that'll be able to learn, enjoy and avoid the mistakes that so many make. So when should you raise VC funding? Should founders give all employees equity and what do acronyms banded around in boardrooms like SEIS, EIS, TAM and VAT actually mean to founders like you? We'll shed light on just how many founders are neurologically diverse, and we'll show you how to get through tough times when things inevitably get hard. I'm Oliver Bruce, and welcome to Success is in the Mind, the journey. We shouldn't be thinking of food and calories. It's based on bad science that's 130, 140 years old, and to reduce how good a food is to have just a bunch of numbers is just not good enough. Always follow up your interesting emails and do so within 48 hours. Dopamine isn't just the, the feeling we get when we have the nice food or do pleasurable things. It's that what motivates us to acquire food, to come seek a mate, to go and have fun. It's that not having the good food that's the bigger issue than having the junk food. So, James, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You were born, and now you're here. What happened in between? Quite a bit. 50 years, unfortunately, which I can see you're you're shocked. Yeah, I am. (laughs) Um, Quite a bit. So, I grew up in Northamptonshire um, since I was four, then did all the normal things that kids do, Um, then then did uh, nutrition at University of Surrey, nutrition with dietetics. Left um, university and went straight and worked as a clinical dietitian in the NHS, which is what pretty much everybody did. Um, quite liked it, knew it wasn't a long-term thing, but also kind of in the back of my mind, I knew it would be invaluable experience, so I carried on doing it. Now, in the last couple of years, I always wanted to be sort of a private dietitian, so I sort of managed to set up my own private practice. So I was, you know, seeing patients in hospital, advising on things like clinical tube feeding, enteral tube feeding for the critically ill, uh, stroke rehab, um, gastroenterology, quite a range really. Also doing outpatient clinics, like obesity, uh, there's some food intolerances, high cholesterolemia, et cetera, et cetera, all the usual stuff. So quite a range. Um, and then I started seeing patients privately, but... I live in rural Northamptonshire, and so to see a, p- a patient was a trek. Occasionally, I'd run clinic sessions. They wouldn't get that booked. Um, and then same sort of time, I started uh, working in the, the bodybuilding fitness world. And we set mm-hmm. up in 2000 uh, a website called muscletool.co.uk, which initially was quite successful. Me and my business partner got an income of it for several good years, really, um, advertising revenue. Um and then all the all the same time I was still doing my consulting, 
and then we can wind forward all the way to um, 2014. And because I used to take any sort of projects that sounded interesting, um, that's when Julian Hearn got in touch, who is the the principal founder of Huel, and um, he had this great idea for this great product called Huel. Um, what we didn't know was called Huel at that time, um, and I, he commissioned me to do a project to come up with what the formula might look like. We worked together for a, a year, and in June 2015, we launched. Because inter- interestingly, I mean, obviously starting out in literally nutrition, you never really wanted to go into business as far as I can see. It just automatically seems to have sort of serendipitously happened. Was that something that you set out to do, or, or was it kind of a coincidence? And since I was at the, in the NHS, I wanted to be a businessman, whatever that means, right? <laughs> but I also wanted to do nutrition, but I didn't have a clue, really. My real expertise was in the nutrition side, not, not as a businessman, mm-hmm. but you know, people always sort of suggests suggest that if you want to be successful, then do what you do best and just align yourself with others who know their bit. And I think that's the kind of philosophy that has gone forward. Yeah. But I didn't know, like you say, Ollie, I didn't really know it was going to happen. You're, I thought it was another project. Quite a good one, granted, but I literally thought it was going to be that. Didn't know I was going to be co-founder of, of the business. And, and that is, I mean, that is an amazing story. And as much as being co-founder of Huel now seems like you made an amazing bet and obviously you knew exactly how it was going to pay off. But when Julian called you up and went, look, mate, I need a bit of help in terms of the formulation for the powder, essentially, were you just hoping that it was going to be a paycheck for a couple of months and then you move on? What was the kind of going through your head at that time? Yes, well, I've never come across this guy before and I do get project you know, emails quite regularly. And one, one thing I've always done that I think is good advice is always follow up your interesting emails and do so within 48 hours. And I'd always stuck to that philosophy. So I got this email from this bloke called Julian, had this idea, replied quickly. He wanted a quote, a couple of emails, came up with a quote, I massively underquoted him. It took me a lot longer than I thought it was. <laughs> I think I quote, I thought it would take me, I don't know, 20 hours or something, and it probably took me 40 hours of work. So in terms of then you obviously underbuild it but over delivered, how did you have that conversation with Julian in terms of going, right, you know, I've quoted you for twenty, I've done forty, actually now I want to come into the business. how did that actually work? It was a year before we actually had the conversation. We had he I did several other projects for him during the year, small ones that he paid me a small amount for. And he said, Look, this is going somewhere, you're you know, I need someone to, to come in on this business, do all the obvious choice. Do you want to? Yes, please. In terms of the growth, I mean, it is astronomical. I mean, you're, what, 140-odd million in terms of revenue? You've just done another investment round to value you over half a billion. That's a hell of a punt for little more than a decade. In fact, you haven't even hit the decade point yet. No, we're um, seven and a half years old since that June 15. There was two of us working for the company then. Now there's 240. Um, we've got a board with some pretty good... Um, non-executive directors. For instance, Stephen Barlett is is on our board as an investor, and we advertise his Dario as CEO podcast, um, which has worked out really well for us. Um, we've got some really good people work within the business. We don't just want people to do a job. We want people to enjoy their job. We want people to be happy. I think that's key. And People are behind our mission as well. And in terms of, of that mission, I suppose, you know, that that's come fundamentally from just how healthy and how good the food is, or I suppose the meal supplements are for people, right? In terms of there's an element around it that you've kind of gone actually out with the standard, you know, healthy protein bars, for instance, and let's make your life as easy as possible from an RTD or a meal prep point of view and just be that convenience thing. Is that something that was always the objective from day one or was it something that just happened over time? Your products are what we call complete food. 
Some people refer to us as meal replacements. I don't think that's a perfect term, but complete food is the category. And we do powders. We've got the Hon Savory product, which is some of the grain-based or pasta-based that you mix with hot water in a five-minute stir and five minutes later you consume. We've got bars. We've got the RTD. Some of them you can see behind me. And we've got a couple of other products, products in our range as well. Everything we have is what we call nutritionally complete. So our target is every adult that's potentially who could buy our products because it's, you know, we, we don't make products for the sports industry. Can your products benefit people who are active and even at elite level in sports? Of course they can. But the goal is for, every, is for busy people for convenient food. I mean, I, I use fuel regularly and it does fill me up. And I know that you were banned recently, in fact, this year, 2023, um, by the Advertising Standards Agency for saying that fuel essentially can save people money and make your day slightly easier. Now, just talk to me about what your thoughts are around the ASA and whether that was right or wrong. I think we could have worded it better. I think, but to be honest, the ASA had a fair point, right? Look, we have loses when adverse go out, they get checked, but because this one wasn't a strict nutrition or health claim, we it didn't get checked through the correct processes. If we'd have used the word lunch instead of day, for example, in the advert, we'd have been okay, I think. Obviously, I can't say that for sure, but it would have been a different outcome because what we implied, what the advert implied, we didn't intend it to imply this, was that it would save people money uh, entirely. Yeah. So it was a, we could have done better with the wording there, yeah. to be honest. This podcast is sponsored by Huel, and I want to talk to you about the Huel Black Edition, which is a high-protein meal with everything your body needs in a complete shake. All you need to do is add two scoops to water, and you've got yourself 26 essential vitamins and minerals and 40 grams of protein in one 400-calorie serving. I'm sure many of you can relate to not being able to get a nutritious breakfast or lunch in your working week, and I've found that Huel is the answer. It automates what you do for those meals, so in the morning, I don't have to think about it. I add water, two scoops, shake and go. It eliminates the possibility of making those questionable breakfast decisions and I know I've got the protein, I've got the calories and I've got the vitamins. During the working day, just automate it. Make it easy for yourself. There's all sorts of good stuff in Huel. Vitamin D, C, E, iron, fibre, protein. It saves me time and it saves you that decision-making process that sometimes leads to you choosing the more unhealthy option. So, if you want to try it, go to Huel.com forward slash success. That's H-U-E-L dot com forward slash success and you'll get a free t-shirt and a shaker with your first order. Back to the episode. James, I'm interested in the book that you're about to release called um, Thought for Food. Just talk to me about that one. The book is, roughly speaking, in three parts, um, 12 chapters. The first part is why humans eat what, what we eat. Um, and I, I subsequently identified a total of 25 reasons. Wow. Um, but all, And I'm focusing in the book on two of them. One is the biology, like dopamine and neurotransmitter yeah, dopamine yeah. you may have heard of it's our drive it's our cravings how that works and also some others like serotonin mm-hmm. makes you feel happy you see that mm-hmm. picture behind I do, chemi- yeah. chemical that's the chemical symbol for happiness chemical symbol for serotonin okay um, and also the cultural reasons why we eat what we eat how does culture influence because people don't realize this and certainly in researching in the last two or three years certainly made me view the food system differently. Now that's part one. Part two, uh, what I call the five pillars of the strategy, um, which are eating for our own physical health, eating for our own mental health, sustainable nutrition, 
ethical eating and then eating as a community. Why, why meal times are important? Why eating with friends and family and how that can affect our biologists? The third part is, okay, that's all very interesting, but what does that mean? What can we do? So I've looked at, yeah, the fact that there's 8 billion people on this planet. Um, I thought, well, let's, def let's define my strategy. Let's look at, um, look at some terms. And how are we going to get around this? So I talk about GMOs, obviously talk about complete foods like you with a focus, yep. you know, being transparent, um, saying, you want to talk about plant-based meats and the cellular ag meats and proteins that are coming out and other innovations that are going to help mm -hmm. humans address the crises we could be facing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, uh, then the last chapter has got some nuances and practical mm -hmm. uh, ways that people can address this. So the book will be... We are, I'll, I'll be announcing on LinkedIn at some point in a few months the date of release. So in terms then of, of looking at the dopamine, for instance, and, and things that actually make people happy when eating, you know, when I'm hungover, I go and eat a Domino's. I feel a bit lethargic, but actually I feel happy because I've eaten something. What's the, what goes through people's minds as to how and why food makes someone feel so good? Oh, we're going philosophical, are we? Holly? For, why not? Can be at. I'm a nutritionist. I'm not a neuroscientist. Okay. But um, dopamine isn't just the, the feeling we get when we have the nice food or do pleasurable things or, or, or whatever. It is, it's the, what motivates us to acquire food, to come seek a mate, to go and have fun. It, then there's a bunch of other neurotransmitters that, are, that seem to be involved in the happy feelings that we get when we do the things. So it's, I mentioned serotonin already. Well, serotonin, about 90 to 95% of serotonin is recently been revealed, is not released in the brain. It's released from the enteric nervous system. Now that's the nervous system that, of the gut. So there's, there's almost certainly a link there with the gut microbiome, which are the, all the good bacteria and other microbes like archaea that live in our digestive system. And these, um, through ways that we really don't fully understand yet, are sending messages to our brains, and our brains are sending messages back to them and the entire nervous system that's involved not just in digestion, but also in healthy immune system, inflammation, and probably cognition as well, so how we feel. Other neurotransmitters and hormones are involved as well, so a lot of people may have heard of endorphin, well, certain foods uh, and exercise can release endorphin, that's supposed to make you feel good. And another one is oxytocin, which is the one that was a, traditionally been associated with mother and, and baby, mm -hmm. but it's been associated with being around other people. So this is what I mentioned, eating together. Mm -hmm. People, it seems that oxytocin is released when people are eating in eating around a table with friends and yeah. even just being in the company of others, not just the eating thing. And there are very likely numerous other neurotransmitters as well. I mean, for instance... GABA is one that's, re that's released when people get drunk mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it makes you feel relaxed. Yeah. So some people use it just a people like a one drink or two, people have got it under control that maybe struggle in social situations, mm -hmm. um, maybe have, have a drink because it will release GABA and it just helps social cohesion, helps calm them. And that's a good feeling. Mm -hmm. So although not directly happiness, it, it's very complicated. But Ultimately, what I've told you there is just the neuroscience and just the chemicals that are associated with this. A lot of it is just it's subjective perception. It's you know, you know when you're feeling happy or when you're having fun, when you're fulfilled, and what is happiness anyway?
I just wanted to say, I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And if you are, we'd love it if you could rate it, subscribe to it and share it with friends and colleagues. As you know, the more reach that we get, the bigger the guests become and the more knowledge sharing that we can do. To find out more, head over to successpodcast.co.uk. As a startup or SME, it can be hard to keep your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on 100% of the time. A past guest of the show and now series sponsor, Habu, offers solutions to businesses and organisations of varying sizes the ability to pick and pack your product from their D2C hubs across Europe. You can now stop asking your partner to help box up a recent order, and your living room will no longer be filled with boxes from floor to ceiling. Instead, the team at Habu will do all of this for you, and you don't need to worry about size. Habu helps start Startups with orders of less than 500 parcels a week all the way through to larger organisations with more complexities. So speak to the team at habu.com and quote success pod and see how they can help you. Back to the episode. In terms of, of process and how you run your life, because looking at the brand Huel, for instance, it's all about simplifying and making life a bit easier. Do you live that yourself in terms of, do you have a schedule? Do you have a way of living? Do you, you know, live A to B very structured? Or are you someone that actually is a bit more of a free spirit? That's a big question. I've never been asked that before. I'm certainly not free spirit. I, I, I don't have a very structured plan to every day. But within a day, I do plan all day. And I think, can I do this by such a time? So I don't know if you, you're aware of James Clear's Atomic Habits book, the, no. the bestseller. No. It's a... It's a Self-help book, but one of the good ones, because some of them can be very questionable. <laughs> yeah, um, it's an excellent book. It's one of the, the best. It's the best self-help book I've read and probably one of the one of the top 10 books I've ever read. Mm-hmm. He calls them atomic habits. Some of what he talks about in there, I was already kind of doing, I called them micro goals. So I'd set myself, I'd wake up in the morning and think, right, I've maybe got an hour before I need to start work because I've got up early. Um, I've got some reading to do. Let's read and try and get to this page by that time. Um, and I do the same with, okay, we're at the beginning of the week. I want to train, have seven workouts or some description this week. What days can I possibly do them? They might shift and then I'd have to, you know, if somebody came up, then I'd do one another day. So it'd be little things like that. And even within a workout, I might say, okay, I, let's say I was doing a circuit um, and it was my previous best was 32 minutes. Can I be, beat it by 10 seconds or things like that? So I do a lot of that myself of which but they're not i'm not structured every day maybe it's an excuse maybe i'm but it's not worked out for me when i've tried to do it but i do get up some mornings really early and i go uh i've got a stoner at home have sauna and have cold shower um and i do the cold shower thing every day do you? um and then and read but they're my perfect mornings which are probably once or twice a week rather than every morning <laughs> i think my perfect mornings are once or twice a year maybe mate but um <laughs> in terms of in terms of those micro goals i suppose or the atomic habits as you say thinking about it how how do you speak about it yes when i'm doing a 5k run or a 10k run i'll try and do it slightly quicker do i set out to do that probably not is that what you're getting at in terms of you know you'll try and beat a goal or you'll try and better yourself but maybe only when you're in the moment yeah but, but just for the moment as well um I have a problem I can get distracted quite easily with a lot of things. I'm not, I do procrastinate because everybody does it, but I'm not too bad at that. I don't think I'm a massive procrastinator, but my brain runs off with itself. So I can be reading, I'll be well into a book and I just, I've gone from the page and obviously well-written books with excellent people with good narrative. 
focus my mind a lot more. And that's you know, and I certainly don't get away on the rare occasions I read fiction and novels. Uh, I generally, in my mind, doesn't wonder. Um, but yeah, and I find that frustrating. I need to need to try and find ways of getting over that. But yeah, I'm I'm I'd call myself structured in the short term but not so strict in the longer term. In terms, then, I suppose, of how people, from a nutritional point of view, might be able to better their way of life, be it mentally, physically, or from a gut point of view, you know, what, what advice, what things do you think people should be putting in place to do that? Because looking at, let's say, Kiefka, for instance, I don't know how you pronounce it, but the biotiful gut health side of things, that is a massive market right now that actually, for me, having had some, makes you feel or makes me feel a lot more healthy. And I don't know necessarily if there's anything that you can put in place just to sort of allow people to go on that journey of becoming a better set version of themselves. When you say you had that and it made you feel healthy, what do you mean by feel healthy? Less bloated after a meal. Okay, so that's that's one aspect because some people could be perceived energy levels. Sometimes it will blow thing. Um, just do they feel tired and sleep? There's different types of tiredness, isn't there? Some people feel sleepy, but other people just feel drained. So there's a, there's a lot in there. Um, what what advice would I give? Well. If people are busy, humor is obviously great, and I've got to start with with recommending that. But that's you know that's sure I have my biases, and I'm going to recommend it. But I also that's part of the reason of we we've created it as a business. Um, I do think it's good to prepare food uh, and try and prepare food with um, with family and friends, and be involved as well. If you're not a cook, that's okay, but try and be involved in the process. It's a good time for sharing experiences, talking about the day. If people have got families and kids, have a meal time and, um, and share experiences. Now, you might think, well, that's what's that got to do with directly nutrition and feeling good? Well, a lot, because you're, you're communicating with your family and that's going to make you feel good and that's going to have knock-on effects to your health. Um, people, we do have too much meat and now I'm, I'm, I'm not a vegan. I'm not wholly convinced by the whole vegan um, way of life if not done properly has to be done very carefully and in the in today can be done and we've got products that can accommodate that but certainly we should be including a wide range of plants in our diets now that can be um pulses um and other and beans and then stuff like that as well as a range of whole grain starchy carbs um and and those of other vegetables and fruit and sure People, people have too much junk food, um, and that is the problem. It's, it's the not having the good food that's the bigger issue than having the junk food. I would obviously try and avoid the junk food, but if you are having it, it's so important that the bulk of your nutrition comes from good, wholesome meals. And you might say, well, what's that? Well, that's quite a range. We're, we're used to eating lots of different foods, and... People say, well, I don't like vegetables. Well, have you really tried them all? Have you tried cooking them in different ways? Of course, it might be a psychological thing that people have got an aversion to them. Well, that's, that's a different thing that he's addressing through um, psychological experts, not you know, not just food choice. But we're, we're too spoiled in this world, and the food is the wrong foods are too readily available, uh, and we can make better food choices.
This podcast is sponsored by Huel, and I want to talk to you about the Huel Black Edition, which is a high-protein meal with everything your body needs in a complete shake. All you need to do is add two scoops to water, and you've got yourself 26 essential vitamins and minerals and 40 grams of protein in one 400-calorie serving. If you want to try it, go to huel.com forward slash success. That's H-U-E-L dot com forward slash success, and you'll get a free T-shirt and a shaker with your first order. Back to the episode. In terms then of, of let's going back to, to business somewhat, but when looking through your Twitter, there's there's photos, photos of you inspirationally speaking to the team at Huel, you know, standing in the boardroom talking to the guys. You're motivating them to do a job. You're motivating them to, 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 to build the business to become bigger and better for individuals in it and outside of it. Have you ever sort of woken up in the morning and struggled to motivate yourself irrespective of anybody else? Yeah, but if it happens, it's short term. I... I'm very lucky that I generally don't have a trouble to, to be motivated. Um, I was at a wedding yesterday, and I don't drink much, but I did drink of it yesterday. So this morning's one of those days. Yeah, um, yeah. But it is an exception. <laughs> and we get them. Sometimes I'm tired. And if I'm writing, and I, I really, you know, writing the book, one of the other reasons I've, I've done is I, I really enjoy writing. I found mm-hmm. a thing I get in the flow state. But some days I have off days and I can start writing in 15, 20 minutes. If I'm, if I'm writing a bit, but it's not really working, it's just not the day for it. Now, is that a motivation thing or is that just me ex- accepting? Because that might be a day I'm going to read instead so I can acquire don't want to do otherwise. Or it might be I often have non-urgent, less taxing jobs to do, maybe related to you or maybe something else. Or is it a day that I do then? In recent years, a poor motivation has never lasted beyond one day and that's a stretch. And in terms then of how you push the boundaries of Huel and innovate and develop new product fundamentally, which I suppose is where your core role at Huel lies, you know, how do you ideate? How do you come up? And, you know, recently, and, and Huel came across my radar probably two years ago, you know, just at the back end of the pandemic with a huge amount of social marketing that you guys are pushing my way. You now have gone into those sort of prepackaged, ready to eat meals, as we alluded to earlier. You know, how long does it take to bring something to market? How long does it take to get it right? And how long does it take to, to get mass market adoption? Because you've been going seven years, but really in the last two, two and a half years, that's when I've started to hear about it. We've got a really good marketing team, really good social team, um, really good old team, to be honest, the whole business. Um, and they, they do a really good job. And we've learned, and this is not part of the business I get involved in, so I'm not always the better person to come in here, but we, we've learned what type of adverts do better for us and what platforms do better at what time of the day and what demographics, etc. Um, so that's part, you know, that's part of our success. As far as the products go, well, Julian has, I think pretty much all the product ideas have come from him and it it would be something like he'll get this idea and call me up and see what I think about it. And then I'll think how I can make it work from a nutritional perspective. Now we have a range of products and if they'd have been made as per my original spreadsheet of them, they probably wouldn't taste very good, or they'd be good, but good nutritionally. So we have, <laughs> so we have to then, we have to then work together with a brilliant product development team to try and make the products taste brilliant as well as being nutritionally brilliant. So we don't yeah. want to compromise too much because that's what we, we set the goals high, but mm-hmm. maybe. The conversations and development process, I will then look at alternative ingredients and find out actually that's equally as good for nutrition. And it means it's going to be easier, it's going to be better to work in our product. Um, and that's how we, we come up with them really. So, how long does it take? It varies. So, our complete protein, which is 
our protein product um, that's basically protein with all um, vitamins and minerals and some essential fats and, and some other bits in it. That was quite quick. That took about, I think, seven months from the first conversation to being on online, which is really good. But it's a power room. We've already got the infrastructure for that. The RTD took, I think, two and a quarter, two and a half years to get off the ground originally because um, the process is so complicated. Um, some of the other products, the unsavory, I can't remember how long it was. It was certainly the best part of a year, if not longer. Because a lot of work goes into it. A lot of people, there's a lot of developments. It's got to be tried. We want to make sure it's the flavors are right. It's got to be the process has got to be correct. We've got to, you know, the Han Savory has got to be a good distribution within the pouch, for instance, so that all the big bits can go to the top and people get the bad experience. So there's so much to think about. And then we've got our technical and quality team as well to make sure that it's going to have the shelf life that it needs. And it's sure it might be food safe in a year, but if it's if the the um, taste has dropped off because of reasons, it's not a very good experience. So. We've got we've got such high bar we've set ourselves. We've got to live up to it. And in terms of those RTDs, because even the the shape of the bottle and the way that you've branded it is so different to so many other brands in in that world, I suppose. Now you've obviously got a vending machine which can be found. I think it's a Terminal Five. I've seen one when I was flying out of there. Um, whose idea was that then to get a to get a vending machine? Because it's genius. I'm not sure whose idea it was. It might have been yours. It might be someone in our retail team. But we've had them at Terminal Five. We've got them at Birmingham Ballroom. Manchester Airport now as well, and several other airports that haven't come already are coming soon, and and some shopping centres as well. And they're they're great. They look really good. Um, they've got the great messages on them. They've got a massive bottle on top. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the bottle shape, yeah, it's it's because it's it's convenient holding your hand. It's not a it cumbersome bottle, and it holds um, five hundred mils, um, which is a meal. You know, mm -hmm. this is sure it's a drink, but it's primarily a meal. It's got all mm -hmm. the protein, the carbs, essential fats, and vitamins and minerals and fiber that the body needs um, and can actually be part of a very healthy diet. Absolutely. As the advert says on this podcast, because you guys have kindly sponsored it, there is uh, huel.com forward slash success. You get a free t-shirt shaker and the black edition. So we've uh, we've plugged it throughout this. But in terms, I suppose, of where maybe, James, people want to go and buy your book as and when it's out, I'm assuming that might be Amazon. But how can people kind of start to learn a bit more about being healthy, about getting through life in a more sustainable way? If people want to learn more about nutrition, well, that's the one. That's the key of the book, right? I want people to learn about food and nutrition. Now, of course, they don't have to be experts, but people need to know just enough, just be mindful of what they're putting in their in their bodies, um, which people aren't these days. And so, we have a range of guides and articles on Huel.com. There's loads there to read. So some of them are a real sort of top line or basic and, and fun to read. Some that are a bit more in depth. Because we've got a bunch yeah. of just a few. Hooligans, which we call you know, regular people who have your um, <laughs> who are really, really keen. I love the detail. So mm -hmm. some of the early early ones were written by by me, and some of them by the other nutritionists at Hugh. We've got we've got several um, qualified and experienced nutritionists at Hugh, which is one thing I think that sets us apart from other companies as well. Um, and then yeah, some easier reads that go out probably in our email email marketing campaign. Still really good, but shorter and easier to read. So that's a good place for people to go. If people want to see what my work's like, I have seven or eight articles that are published on LinkedIn. If people want to um, connect with me there, they can read them. Um, but that some of those are sort of bits of the book that are a bit adapted to suit an article and, and to work the bit. 
Uh, for instance, I've covered the processed food one there, but people might want to, if they want to get my ideas. And there's there's some other really good um, nutritionists there. I've really rate Giles Yeo, who was um, professor of Cambridge. Um, he, he's got a couple of books out and he's on a lot of podcasts. He's really worth listening to. What's in it for you, James, coming up then? Like, you've written a book, you've got a really successful business. What what next? You know, it's at half a billion now. You're going to try and push it to a billion, or are you going to just try and make the business as good as it possibly can be? What's the driving factor? And we have our targets. Um, we want to. Um, we'll, we'll keep keep pushing those. Obviously, part of the valuation. Although we had a really good, you know, valuation. If the economic environment had been better last autumn, we probably would have got a lot more. Uh, but relative speaking to everyone's doing, it, it's great. Um, we want to keep bringing out new products that are going to support people. For me personally, I'm, I'm, I strongly value what we do and doing, doing the right thing. Look, Huel has become a name in nutrition and it's become trusted by a lot of people. Now, I mentioned those people that really get into the detail of you, and I love those people. Some of them ask some challenging questions, and they might be critical, but I love it. But 99.998% of the population, they just want to have something that they know is nutritionally good for them, and we've, and we've got them. And so we have to keep to that standard that we, that we set ourselves. So any new products have to meet that responsibility. Um, I mean, I get, I'm often... People take the mickey out of me. Can often quote the Spider Man: "With great power comes great responsibility." <laughs> and it's, I say it in a junkie with with the staff, and they, yeah, they right. do take take the piss a bit. But it's um, it, it, I think it's important um, to to hold ourselves to that. And that, that's not just with nutrition. I mean, with the, uh, the sustainability side, isn't my area of expertise, but it is an area of the business I'm heavily involved in. And we are going to be setting ourselves high targets there, like with our products, um, carbon equivalent emissions, um, and there's other things, land use, we're all going to be improving what we do there. And I think that's really important as well. So that, that's the business side of things. Um, the book, hopefully, I'll be involved in trying to publicize that. The book, you know, hopefully, the, the publisher is going to do quite a lot, but I'm going to do a lot myself. I've already started writing, writing the second book, um, and I've got... The sketch outline of two more, probably well, three more, possibly four more over the next several years. I don't know that fourth one might I'll come to fruition, but the others, the others, I certainly do. Exploring different areas. One of them's the one I'm writing was on calories, uh, counting count, counting calories, um, and the regulation, for instance, that um, food chains have to have calories on the menus, uh, covering that area. Um, there's another one that's going to be on addiction to food, another one on belief and culture in respect to food. Um, and there's another one as well. I'm not going to talk about that yet because um, I don't want the word to get out there until this first book's published. Absolutely. And in terms, I suppose, in terms of the calories on menus, and that was something that was so divisive when it first got released, and similarly the sugar tax as well. What are your thoughts then on putting calories on menus? Because it does make you think. And actually, I was looking the other day at something, and I thought the thing that would be the most unhealthy was actually one of the most healthiest. So it's just so confusing. You've just answered, you've just answered my question, because <laughs> you've just said healthy. You, you just used the word calorie and healthy as synonymous with each other, and they're not. Because... You know, calories do not equate to health. And healthy is a, is a weird word. I mean, healthful is probably the better term. Mm -hmm. um, but we can have 
we shouldn't be thinking of food and calories. Look, we've got a government who tried to be libertarian in what they do in many, many respects about getting too political. Yeah, and, they yeah, think, yeah. and they think, well, we're giving people choice so they can make their choice then. And if they yeah. eat too much, then they're, you know, then it's their fault. Just wrong. Mm-hmm. Calories, uh, as I'm going to outline, hopefully in a couple of years when the second book is published, as I'm going to outline, it's so much more than that. It's based on bad science that's 130, 140 years old. It's, um, it's so much more complicated. There are other factors involved, the microbiome, the drive to eat, what we're surrounded with, exercise, and to reduce how good a food is to have just a bunch of numbers, it's just not good enough. Now, it's not to say there are certain people that use calorie counting or something to hold themselves to account. Um, I don't think it's the best strategy, but some people swear by it, and I would not want to change them from doing that. I don't want to become ideological myself and, and say such a thing, but all I will say is it's so much more complicated than calories. As a startup or SME, it can be hard to keep your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on 100% of the time. A past guest of the show and now series sponsor, Habu, offers solutions to businesses and organisations of varying sizes the ability to pick and pack your product from their D2C hubs across Europe. You can now stop asking your partner to help box up a recent order, and your living room will no longer be filled with boxes from floor to ceiling. Instead, the team at Habu will do all of this for you, and you don't need to worry about size. Habu helps start Startups with orders of less than 500 parcels a week all the way through to larger organisations with more complexities. So speak to the team at habu.com and quote success pod and see how they can help you. Back to the episode. So when someone says to your PT, for instance, right, we need to have a caloric deficit this week, for instance, the, that could be perceived as a, as a negative, I suppose. And what is a calorie deficit for that person that week, that day? It's just it's just a bunch of figures on paper. It doesn't work like that. Sorry, it's not as simple as that. I can see got, the passion. You know, we haven't got two and a half million years of evolution just to be brought down to a bunch of calories. <laughs> so if, if I, you know, what about mushroom? Because that's a massive market, a massive opening market now in terms of, you know, how, how, how mushrooms are being used in certain ways, lion's mane and such like, to be able to give people focus or energy and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I've, I've, I've started taking um, nootropics, for instance, and actually I, whether it's placebo or not, I don't know, do feel ever so slightly more focused, and that has lion's mane in. Now, I don't know what your thoughts are on that side of the world. Nootropics is an interesting area, right? Caffeine is a nootropic, helps focus and cognition. Um, as, there's a lot of other components as well, like taurine and glucuronolactone. They've all got nootropic effects. Um, you're probably referring more to the adaptogen side, which a large bunch of them are, um, are in mushrooms. And there is limited evidence that adaptogens can be useful for cognition. So I don't know how, how that equates actually to how it actually eating so many mushrooms a day or what type of mushrooms could come from where, but I do know things like lion's mane and reishi or whatever the word is. Um, they they could, could be linked to something interesting. I think there could be something in that. We got a lot more research needs to be done and it's also not an area that I'm amazingly well-versed. No, makes sense. I was, I'm fascinated by all of this, how you can be more focused and how you can have more energy when actually you're eating fundamentally less because I don't eat much and actually I've got more energy than I ever have had before and I just, just don't know what that's down to. Dude, when did you start having the um, the mushrooms? 
<laughs> the magic mushrooms or just the mushrooms? Yeah, the magic mushrooms. <laughs> yeah. Um, literally about two months ago. And I've been, honestly, without wanting to publicise it too much, been having fuel for a lot longer. But yeah. actually, those are my two main things. And I really don't eat lunch and I don't have breakfast. Which your products do you have? The black edition and then the ready to drink chocolate. Okay, which, which was your favourite flavour, black edition? No, well, black edition cookies and cream. Okay, do you have, do you have chocolate flavour or vanilla flavour? Or... I do have chocolate flavour, but I've got cookies and cream black, right. chocolate black as well. Cinnamon, I, yeah, it was Christmassy, I'll be honest, but it wasn't wasn't every oh, day no. of the year. Cinnamon is um, my go-to. Is it? Okay, yeah, no. at the moment. And then, yeah, the RTDs are vanilla yeah. or chocolate. Yeah, no, that's great. So, I mean, that, that would help give you energy. Um, mm. Do you ever try intermittent fasting or do you have breakfast? No, no, I don't. I just do just do literally Huel's, a um, couple of tablets, nootropics wise, and then I'll do a dinner in the evening and that is it. That is do it. you have do caffeine? A, lots of caffeine. Eight coffees a day, run five, six K in the morning. Mm. Six tea. That certainly made you feel energised. Um, I've recently cut down my caffeine a lot because I should have known better. This is one of the times I give myself a telling off. Um, <laughs> I was having oh, no coffee after 12 o'clock because, uh, you know, I, I need to sleep. But I was having four, maybe five coffees before that. Then, of course, the, the quarter life of caffeine, which is roughly speaking the amount um, that's left, we've got a quarter of the amount that's left in your blood, is about 12 hours. So if there's 100 milligrams of um, caffeine, approximately in a, in a mug of coffee, and I was having four or five before lunch, well, by bedtime, I've still got 100 milligrams in my system. So it was just like having a cup of coffee before I went to bed. Why I didn't spot that before? Now, I'd nearly fall asleep okay, and, you know, nine nights out of ten, I sleep pretty well. So I didn't think it was a problem. Then I started looking at the biology of sleep a, a, a lot more and this sort of deep sleep you've got the deep sleep and the REM sleep the REM sleep is where you, you, you dream yeah, yeah, yeah. and Back again caveat yeah. here not an expert um, <laughs> but the deep sleep is what caffeine affects and we don't get into the deep sleep enough and maybe you're waking up and you don't realize you've woken up so you're not processing things correct me now it might be that you feel okay the next day probably because you've just had a load of caffeine to pick you up and you're picking yourself up from below where you should be just to baseline so I've, um, I'm, I'm, I'm down to about one, maybe two most, and I'm going to be cutting that down. I'm not, I'm not going cold turkey, because that's the wrong thing to do. I'm <laughs> going to cut that down. Not that I feel great on caffeine, and not that caffeine is bad for you. I've had some real good benefits from caffeine, yeah. but because sleep is more important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, 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 I get that entirely. I just haven't managed to get to that point just yet. Um, and tea, frankly, just doesn't cut it for me anyway. I'm assuming you're a tea drinker. Um, well, I've, I've still got about 40 milligrams in a normal cup of tea. So there's still, still a significant amount, although a lot less. Um, so that's being cut as well. And I'm going on the decaf tea, which is about four or five milligrams. So that's hardly worth talking about, right? So. <laughs> Should write a book about this one, James. <laughs> um, but mate, thank you so much for coming on. I've loved every minute. I've learned loads of stuff that I didn't expect to, to learn. I hope the listeners have as well. Just to remind us where we can go and buy Huel. Huel.com. Um, nice and easy. All the products are there and all the information is there. Um, including the guides and articles I mentioned. And here's a little message from our carbon offset partners, Carbon Positive.
So, hey, Andrew, just, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We obviously wanted to introduce you because you guys are happily uh, supporting us from a carbon-positive point of view, trying to get the, the podcast carbon-positive over the next 12 months. But I wanted you to tell the listeners why you chose this podcast and you know what's so special about carbon-positive from a non-for-profit point of view. So we decided to choose Success in the Mind podcast for a couple of reasons. It's not necessarily our absolute forte because of uh, our position being a, being a not-for-profit, but uh, it definitely aligns with some of the aspects that we do uh, and that we want to support podcasts with in particular. We want to make it easy for podcasts to be able to to be able to become carbon positive and to be able to make their podcast environmentally friendly and show their listeners that they have a social conscience. We understand that it's difficult for people and it takes a lot of time sometimes and we wanted to give podcasts the tools to be able to calculate and offset their carbon footprint throughout their whole podcast, which goes from everything from production to their listeners across the world, and to be able to offset that footprint and become a carbon-positive podcast. So, I mean, for us, it's it's something quite close to our heart. From a business point of view, we're very much focusing on becoming carbon neutral. Now, with regards to the podcast, you guys are kindly helping us along the way of becoming carbon positive. So, 120 percent uh, uplift on on that. Essentially, just talk to me about how you're going to make our podcast carbon positive over the next 12 months? We essentially use an algorithm to calculate the carbon footprint of every podcast. So with that algorithm takes into account lots of different factors, basically everything from uh, listener location, listener device choices, global electricity consumption. For example, with the device choices, if someone was to listen to a podcast on a mobile phone, it's 600 times less energy intensive than if they were to listen to it on a laptop or computer, for example. So we'll take all of that information and we'll create a custom plan that will be specifically tailored towards successes in the mind. That will help us in two ways. It will help us to make sure that we can keep really up-to-date statistics for every single podcast and it will also give us a good idea to make sure that the algorithm is calculating efficiently. You know, you're a non-for-profit business, B, um, I don't think you've necessarily worked with podcasts necessarily like ours before. So it's really exciting to be on that journey with you, helping you guys do it, but but similarly sort of seeing what you guys want from us equally. No, you are. You are um, absolutely our first major case study which is super exciting for us because it really gives us some in-depth data that we can use to help every other podcast 80 to 85 percent of the podcasts that are produced will be able to offset their carbon footprint for less than the price of a takeaway coffee every month we see podcasting as a it's quite a young industry which means that we have a unique opportunity to be able to gain there early and to support podcasts to become carbon positive and make podcasting the world's first carbon positive medium it's properly exciting to to be on that 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 journey with you and i know you guys are based out in switzerland and we're obviously based in the uk but to be able to come together remotely is is very exciting and to be able to see our podcast become carbon positive over the next 12 months for me um is just another reason reason to, to, to get involved in it. So 
thank you very much for asking us to get involved. In terms of people that are listening to to this show and every other show, where can they go to A, find out more about Carbon Positive um, and B, what do they need to do to get in touch? The place to find out more would be to go to our website, www.carbonpositive.com. But then, as we all know, every business comes with unavoidable carbon footprint. We understand that offsetting isn't the absolute answer, but we can make the industry better first of all and then what is unavoidable footprint we can try and offset there'll be a tips and tricks page on the website which will help to reduce first of all and then there's a really short little page on there that you can input two pieces of data monthly downloads and average listening time and then within two minutes a podcast can become carbon positive i think it's worth saying as well the um the footprint of the podcasting industry is 1.7 billion kilograms of carbon per year just because that doesn't really mean anything to me a year ago but now it does it's equivalent to 2 million flights from london to new york every year or alternatively a flight every 15 seconds it's a drop in the ocean as far as the world is concerned but if we can reduce that and obviously eventually bring that down to zero or even bring it into the positive section which is what we're hoping to do then we hope that that should make a difference wow 15 flights a second carbon positive i love it i'm glad we're involved and thank you so much for thinking of us andrew thank you very much oliver for speaking to me 